glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas so you can keep more of what you make. And you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Speaking of Facebook, it's part of today's Clark Rageous Moment coming up in a few minutes. You're not going to believe what Facebook and the banks are cooking up to your harm. And coming up later, speaking of your harm, there's so much going wrong with criminals with the information available from the Equifax data breach trying to take over your accounts and steal money out of your bank and brokerage accounts. Well, there's a new line of defense that I want to make sure you are aware of because you're not being told about it and it may really surprise you. So I am such a big fan of the advantage for the roughly two in three people in America who don't get a college degree to look at getting specific skills that are in much demand in the marketplace. And Tennessee, which has led the way with free technical college for Tennessee residents, which is a very forward-thinking, smart idea to provide a knowledgeable, trained workforce for employers begging for workers, is digging a step further and experimenting with bringing technical training into the later years of high school. It's almost like what's old is new again, because that used to be very common in high schools up to about 20 years ago, that people in high school could learn job skills that they could immediately leave and go get a job after getting their high school diploma already skilled in something. Now, it is controversial because there are a lot of people who believe that it sends a bad message to a kid who may be college material but come from a family that's not a college-oriented family that that kid doesn't anymore consider going to college if in 10th grade he or she finds out, hey, next year I can take a program where I learn to do this, that, or the other and I can get out of school at 18 or 19 and I'll earn a big paycheck right away. I don't have the right answer to that objection. But the thing is, there are a lot of people who, for whatever reason, either because they're not interested in it, it's not part of their family culture, whatever it is, they're not going to go get a college degree. And to just graduate from high school with with the traditional education you get, but no skills that could translate into a high-paying job in the workplace, that's a problem. And what Tennessee is doing with, ex- with an experiment in the high school to teach people how to do things, and they're doing it specifically with Volkswagen. Volkswagen has a big plant in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. And so in the high schools, people are trained in jobs that Volkswagen needs them to do in the plant, and they can come right out and go to work and make a good wage in an auto plant. So 
there are things like this going on. I knew about the Tennessee one. I saw there are others of these going on elsewhere in the country. I saw in a Wall Street Journal story there's something like this going on in Rhode Island to teach high school juniors and seniors how to weld a very high-paying profession. And there's programs in various jurisdictions within states that are offering the opportunity for people to learn skills. One of them that is also going on in Rhode Island is teaching people how to be pharmacy techs while they're in high school and they go work in a pharmacy right after completion. And again, it's not for me to say every kid should go to college, but I at the same time wouldn't want a kid who really is equipped to handle college and go into that kind of career following college to be short-circuited by one of these programs. But I'm so glad that people are thinking more and more, how do we train people for the jobs that pay a moderate or high amount? How do we train them with the skills so they can go get those jobs? Amanda's with us here on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Amanda. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. I'm super excited to talk with you. I listen to you every day for years. You're like my morning breakfast ritual. Well, thank you so much. So, Amanda, how can I serve you? Because you are a business owner. Is that right? Yes. I've been running a business with my sister for about 17 years. Wow. Um, Tell me about being a long-term entrepreneur. It's great. I mean, it's a lot of hard work, obviously. Um, you never get to leave work, really, but um, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it, and I wouldn't trade working with my sister for anything. Well, that is great, because a lot of people can't work with family. Yeah, luckily me and her are really close, so we, we just really think alike, and we're always on the same page. <laughs> great. Well, how can but, I be um, of help to you? Because it sounds like you don't need any from me. You've been doing it for 17 years yeah well um basically we've never carried any debt business debt and we've always had a pretty good stash of cash for savings um and um the big bank doesn't give us very good savings rates and so i we've always been kind of like how do we make some money on the money that we choose to keep set aside so i finally got the motivation oh i'm gonna go out and we're gonna switch um savings accounts to a better rate but when I went out to look, um, the banks that did give a good rate um, found out that they don't do like a lot of them didn't offer business accounts. That's right. And oh. the ones that do, the rates are like really low. And so I just didn't know why that was or what the best thing to do with our money would be. So the online banks know that and you're looking at the online banks. Is that what you've been looking at? Yeah. That are paying like 2% or so. Okay, right. so with the online banks, a lot of times they're worried about taking on business customers because consumers who are savers will put the money in and they'll just leave it. No transactions. The money just sits there, uh, barring an emergency or a big purchase somebody's making. But businesses that do it for the purposes of doing cash management to get a better deal on their cash tend to move the money uh, pretty regularly in and out of the savings account. So a lot of the online savings, ba- the banks with the good online accounts won't serve you 
as a business. And you actually have to sit down and just start calling them one after another and see or go to their websites and see if they offer the rates to business customers. Usually one of the dividing lines is they'll require a much larger minimum for a business account. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be unusual to require a minimum deposit of 25000 for a business right. savings account. Okay. And is that like the, probably the best, our only option to make like money off the money that we have set aside to save? Not necessarily. I mean, one of the options you can have is you're using one of the big banks for your regular banking right now, and you might consider going to a small local bank or potentially even to a stockbroker. If, if either of you have an investment account, you could potentially do a business account with a stockbroker where you'd earn interest on all the money on deposit, and you're able to write uh, pay your bills right from that account, even though it's with a stockbroker and not a traditional bank. Okay. Are either of you investors with a brokerage account or anything like that, or IRA um, somewhere or anything like that? Yeah, we both have. Uh, yes, we are with one of the um, low cost index. And <laughs> who are you with for that? Uh, Vanguard. All right. So Vanguard's not really into doing the business accounts other than for people saving for retirement. So just just poke around at some of the small banks near you and see what they'll do for you for a daily deposit of funds. You also have something you could do with Vanguard. You could take excess money you have and put it potentially on deposit with them in one of their uh, corporate money market funds and earn a lot more than you are right now with the idle funds you have in your bank account. Okay, I'll definitely check that out. And I'll tell you what I'll do also. I'll look around and see if there's an easy way for you to find banks that'll do high-interest savings accounts for businesses. And if there is one, we'll circle back with you, Amanda, and we'll also put it on Clark.com. Okay, that sounds great. And continued success to you and your sister. That's really great that you've had 17 years running your own business and you love working with each other and you love running your business. Can't ask for more than that. Rose is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Rose. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Rose. How can I serve you? Well, first of all, I wanted to say my husband and I saw you in Dayton and we wanted to, we were hoping we could keep you and make you into a Buckeye, but I guess that didn't work out. No, you but, know, I'm a big NFL fan. Okay, all right. Were you saying Ohio State Buckeyes or just get me to move to Ohio? Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, anyway, you, you know, that's reason? that's not really my thing because I'm all about uh, watching every NFL game I can watch, including even bad ones. <laughs> yes, I understand that. My son's the same way. Um, I called because, or I had written you, because we have a home that was built in 1978. Before the installation, we, they required better insulation. And our electric bills have been high in the summer and in the winter. And frankly, my husband and I are a little sick of it. And we had a, a company come out and give an, an estimate on foam installation because they said there's hardly any 
on the outside walls at all. What I want to know from you, I did check the company out because I listened to you, and they do have an A-plus rating, uh, Better Business Bureau. But I wanted to know, one, is that a good investment for our home? Do you really Insulation, well, let me first say before you go with second, yeah. insulation is one of the best things you can do in your home to significantly reduce your energy bills and create a more comfortable environment in the home winter and summer. And well, we have an all-electric home, and sometimes the bills are just ridiculous. Well, you will make them much less ridiculous if you do properly insulate your home. The greatest impact of insulating, though, is in the attic, not in the walls. And well, we had got... We had got some extra installation in the attic but they're even going to put it up there uh free for us the foam as well well they're putting it in free as a throw-in with you having them insulate your walls that's correct yeah is that good i don't know i you know I, everything i've ever studied about this it's the attic that has the greatest payback not the not the walls themselves and so you may be looking at spending a lot of money that won't give you a big return on your money. You only have a quote so far from one company? Yes, I couldn't find any others that were do the walls. Um, well, but you may not. I, I wouldn't put a high emphasis on that. Okay. That's why you're not finding any others. Because if you go to read the energystar.gov website. Okay. And you read their briefing on insulation. You'll see that the big emphasis is making sure you have uh, not just adequate, but they'll tell you how much is an R factor you should have in your attic to have a meaningful effect on your bills. Okay, I'll look into that. I appreciate that. All right, and you have a great day. And one thing I will eat when I come to Dayton, Grater's ice cream. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It is good. Have they lost their minds? What is the arrogance of these people at Facebook? After all the scandals that have erupted with Facebook, now they want to do something that I cannot believe is even an active discussion. Wait till you hear this. Spams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. Insiders at Facebook have reported, uh, I guess, I don't know if this is whistleblowing or not, that Facebook has been in meetings that are from cursory to intensive with various large U.S. banks to try to get those banks to share detailed financial information about the bank's customers. And supposedly how much money you have in your checking account, what transactions you have in your various accounts, including credit cards. And this is insane, improper. It is wrong. You know, Facebook at its peril gets itself into a position where it breaks trust with people. And there's already been enough going on with Facebook being used as a vehicle to separate Americans one from each other and create distrust of Americans one from another. Facebook not protecting our information as it was. And now here they are 
trying to enter into joint ventures with banks to share your personal information. You know, this is wrong on two counts. Banks shouldn't even be considering sharing with a third party like Facebook your individual personal transactions. And Facebook, remember this, pigs get rich, hogs get slaughtered, stop acting like a hog, and start behaving. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. So there was just a uh, bust in Florida of a national SEM hijacking ring. If you're not familiar with SEM hijacking, it's where criminals target you specifically. They know so much about your accounts because of the Equifax data breach of last year. They've got deep dive data on 150 million Americans, so they know who's got money sitting in brokerage accounts, who's got money in bank accounts, businesses where they have their accounts. I mean, they got a lot of deep data. So they also know who your cell phone is with, because that's something that based on inquiries that appear on credit reports and all that. And so what these criminals do is they hijack your cell phone service. They impersonate you and they steal your cell phone service. For what purpose? Specifically, to empty your bank accounts. Now, the good news, at least for consumers, not true for businesses, is if somebody hijacks your cell phone service, suddenly your cell phone doesn't work anymore, in minutes, a criminal who's stolen your cell phone service will try to do two-factor authentication on the bank account or brokerage account they know you have and then empty that account. So they get the two-factor authentication. Where does the text go to? It goes to the phone of the criminal who stole your signal. So there's nothing you can specifically do about that other than with uh, some of the cell phone carriers now, you can add a unique code that is one for leaving that cell phone carrier. You better write it down where you know where it is, and that way it's much tougher for a criminal. They're not going to have that code. It's almost like freezing your credit. They're not going to be able to steal your cell phone service. But the main point of this is the banks and brokerage houses now are losing faith that they're going to be able to properly protect accounts because of the SEM hijacking, and they're looking for different techniques in order to verify you are who you say you are, and you're not going to believe this dispatch from the New York Times. It is amazing. But now banks are using a new technology called behavioral biometrics, and the bank learns how you tend, what angle you tend to hold your cell phone at when you're signing into their uh, your account with them. How you tend to enter the digits. Do you use like swipe when you're doing it? Or, or do you hit with one particular finger on your left hand or right hand or whatever? And so they are developing these biometric markers of your patterns of how you actually use your phone and they can tell now, the banks that are doing this, can tell when someone is not 
you is an imposter and the banks say they're 99 plus percent accurate on when an account has actually fallen into the hands of somebody who is a thief. So, you know, it's going to have to be things to protect us way beyond passwords and now way beyond two-factor authentication. And I don't know that banks are required to let us know that they're now monitoring our behavioral biometrics, but if it keeps your account more safe, I guess that's just fine. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chris. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Chris. You have a very talented son, huh? I, I believe he is. I believe he's quite talented, yeah. What's going on with your son? So uh, Casey's nine years old, and for about three and a half years, he's been involved with the, the sport of karting, and he's been competing for about three years, and uh, he's already about 10 seconds a lap faster than I can ever hope to be. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So stages. he started doing go-karts at six and at nine? Uh, five and a half. At five, five and, a half. and a half, and at nine, he can outrun an adult. Well, he can out, he can outrun me, and he can compete with a with a competent competent. I don't race, but he can compete with an a competent adult based on similar you know uh, power to weight ratios in parts. Yeah, same same wow. lap times. Is he going to be a NASCAR kid someday? Uh, he, he, uh, we're hoping uh, maybe Formula One or GT. But, wow! Uh, if, if he if he can make it in any capacity and uh, be successful doing something he likes, I'll be I'll be very happy. I'll be I'll feel very good about it. Fantastic! Wow. So, how can I help your talented nine year old? Well, we're we're getting to the point. And I say we because I'm I'm you know my wife and I are very involved with the sport. Obviously, I do a lot of his wrenching on the cards for him and everything. We're getting to the point in his we'll call it his career, the nascent of his career, where we're starting to look at possibly traveling, uh, you know, out of state for races, big, you know, big races. And of course, big races mean big entry fees. Uh, increased competitions means uh, looking for edges where we can, which can involve, you know, new sets of tires for every race and lots of spare parts. And we're, my wife and I are starting to get in, starting to play with the idea of maybe looking for sponsors for him. And I was wondering what the implications are for on our finances as a family and taxes and all that whatnot uh, with regard to asking for sponsorship and how that works. And if you well, that's okay to that. do, and you have something that I assume with all the expenses and the travel and all that, that you would be losing money on this, not making money, even with the sponsorships. What's that? Oh, yeah. 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 Sure. So that's yeah, fine. You don't, yeah. you don't have to worry about that. You're allowed to have a regular hobby that has income and expenses and uh, be in a position where you can you can lose money even though you have sponsors and not have to suffer significant tax consequences how are you going to go about getting sponsors well we're going to be attending a, we're going to be attending an event here in September at the end of September called Rent Sport Reunion which is a big giant uh, Porsche gathering where they bring a bunch of historic race cars and drivers and whatnot. And I'll be doing a, a promotional thing for Northern California karting there. We might, uh, we might make a little flyer up, you know, with his picture and profile and some of his, 
some of his little accolades and you know just maybe put a sign out. You know, well, today you got to got to fast forward to social media. Does your son have? Yeah, because that's going to be your greatest connection with mm-hmm. potential sponsors is on social media. I mean, obviously have some form of marketing kit that you can hand people, but the best salesperson for it is going to be him, not you. Right, right. Is he shy or is he able to look an adult right in the eye and and make them believe in him? He's getting better at it. He hasn't had a lot of experience. I'm trying to coach him and explain to him that, you know, what, what's involved with that and why it's important. Uh, he's, it, fortunately, he's very polite and uh, well-spoken young fellow. So, well, that's great. Yeah. And I can tell you this from someone I know who's been around um, racing for a long time, that when people give you money, you mention tires, that people love to sponsor when they know their sponsorship is paying for specific things for the driver mm-hmm. so you'll get people that will sponsor four tires or or for any particular part of the car or in this mm-hmm. case the go-kart and it sounds like you already are aware of that but if you're uh, going to to a degree if you're going to bring in any meaningful amount of money and you've got a lot of spending going on on this you should go meet with a cpa who does tax and talk through how you can structure this where it may be, instead of worrying about being in trouble with the IRS how, or the state, how can you do this in a way that's most beneficial with the money you're going to be laying out for this very talented child of yours? Okay, okay. And I would say that should be a high priority, especially tied in with the fact you're going to try to do this fundraising. And you should send mm-hmm. us a picture of your kid because that's really neat we'd love to see one joel is with us on the clark howard show hello joel how's it going clark great thank you joel you are someone who tried to save money for retirement and now you're being told you've hit a dead end tell me about that so um as you probably reported in your past shows at some point you've probably talks about IRA, the government alternative to a Roth IRA. Um, unfortunately, that program's shutting down and it's final in its final state in its final stages right now. And it's going to be, and I think the official end is going to be in September, 2018, according to the website. And unless you, yeah, that's over, the end, you that's can, the end. Let me explain that. That's the end of the federal fiscal year. The federal government was trying to get people to save for retirement in very small chunks. That they, There was a feeling that a lot of people don't really know where to start or what to do. And so the MIRA was a very simplified way to put money aside that would be basically Roth IRA money. And then if you got enough money, then you'd have to move it it would transition into Roth IRA anyway. But the feds have decided to can the thing and kick you to the curb. Sort of. They say they're going to transition to a quote-unquote retirement clearinghouse, enter whatever transition you want to put here. And uh, so my question is, what's my best point of action? Like, most like my 
the only amount of money on there I'm willing to disclose, it's only $83 in there. So I want, I'm thinking about putting it in an online savings account. What's the, what's that site you recommend to check for the best online savings account or is there an alternative? Well, to what if you that? use this instead as a way to start doing your own Roth IRA? The only thing is I don't think I meet the federal requirements for Roth IRA. Well, the only thing that would prevent you is if you're making too much money or you're not earning earned income at all. I mean, currently I'm a part-time employee, so I'm not sh- I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, you can do it. If you have earned income, you can do a Roth. Okay. And the beauty of the Roth is that the money in it is never taxed, including the earnings, if held to retirement. So even though you've only got $83 in this thing, I'd love it if you took, do you have any cash sitting around that you could add to that to put into a Roth IRA? Not at the moment. Maybe at my next paycheck, possibly. Okay. So even get it to 100 put 100 in a Roth, and um, Fidelity now has no minimums. They used to have minimums. Vanguard's a thousand minimum. I'm trying to remember if Schwab has a minimum. I think they do. But if you were to open a Roth IRA and then with your part-time earnings, you put money in and then when you get to a position where you're working full-time, you've already got it established. You can hopefully get on a schedule of adding uh, meaningful money every month to it and build up some money. Is there like a required uh, deposit for each month or anything no. for Roth? Or? No. There's just a maximum you can put in. So okay. and Schwab won't work because they're a minimum grand. So I think Fidelity, which just eliminated its account minimums, would be a great place for you to look at. They have offices okay. all over the place. Okay, uh, I really do appreciate that, Clark. Right, and uh, and you know I'm you're the only person. Come to think of it, you're the only person I ever heard from who did the Myra. Mm, which okay. is why the account is being eliminated because almost nobody participated in it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Brett is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brett. How's it going? Hey, Clark. I'm a longtime listener and a participant on your ClarkHoward.com message boards. Well, it's great to have you here. Thank so- you very much. My question is... Uh, as a longtime listener, I know that you, you don't like debit cards. I think you call them junk visas. No, I call I them, uh, uh, let me say it in full, they're piece of trash, fake visas and fake MasterCards. 
<laughs> yeah, and I understand why, because they don't have the consumer protections for purchases. But there's a, there's a bunch of new products out that have really great cash back rewards, and I wondered if, if those kind of won you over at all, at least in, in some specific circumstances. Um, give me some examples. Let's take them one by one. Let's hear what what they are and then what the benefit is you get. And let's, let's do the um, analysis of the benefit versus the risk. Okay. Well, the one I was thinking of, one of the two, is uh, Target has a card that attaches to your checking account, but it gives you 5% off on all your Target purchases. And I think it also doubles your uh, return period. Yeah, I think that uh, doing the Target red card, which is a linear card for one purpose, I think is fine because you're getting the benefits are so good with the 5% off. And you also, for a lot of things at Target.com, get free delivery where people without the Target red don't get free delivery. So I think that's worth the risk. The risk is that if something happens and somebody compromises the target red account number that they could have a field day buying things at target that are emptying out of your checking account and so because it's a linear card only good there the risk is a lower level risk than you'd have with one that was a visa or mastercard debit card but the risk is still there you said there was another one also you wanted to run by me yeah, it's kind of a new one. It's from Uber. It's for, for Uber drivers, which, you know, anybody can actually qualify for. But it has a really unique benefit. It gives uh, 1.5% back on gas purchases at any gas station when used as a debit card, which is kind of unusual because most, most of the time you have to use it as a charge. So you can get a discount at the really inexpensive stations. So are you a member of Costco Wholesale or Sam's Club? I, I sure am. So Sam's Club, on their MasterCard, you get 5% discount on gasoline, and you can, buy it, um, you can buy it at discount gas outlets, you can buy it at Sam's Club, you can't buy it at supermarket gas pumps, though, or Costco. Costco, on the well, other hand, you get 4% discount on gasoline, and you can't use it at Sam's or at supermarkets, but it's good everywhere else. So one I don't and know a what it's ha- like in Atlanta, but you have to take a day off of work to get gas at a Costco here in California. Yeah, but forget Costco. Just go anywhere else that you can use. You can use the Costco card, and you still get the five, the four percent. I see. So the difference is the one and a half percent isn't enough, in my opinion, to make that worth it. Where the five percent at Target, that's enough of a threshold that to me that's worth it. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 